America is starting to turn a corner. We are reopening parts of the economy. Some of us are actually going back to work. In other situations, we'll probably be meeting for live church services soon. But are we learning the lessons that God has for us during this season? That's what we're looking at today on Insights. Today, I have a good friend with me, Eddie Reese. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. And we're just going to talk back and forth here a bit about this very issue. Now, you uh, are a retired pastor, right? I've been retired for about a year and a half now. Yeah, and now you're also doing youth ministry in the South Bend, Indiana area? Yes. Uh, I volunteer my time at a uh, Heroes Camp, a ministry in the inner city of South Bend, Indiana. Awesome. So I'm grateful that you could be here today just so that we can simply... Um, look at this even from more of a pastoral viewpoint in terms of like, what are we learning? What have we learned? What should we learn because of this pandemic? You know, have we really learned the lessons that God has for us? Now, Eddie, um, we've been feeling or observing more of a growing feeling of, I just want this to be over. I just want to get back to life as normal. And, and this is true of Christians and outside the church. Sure. I think we're feeling sure. that. Um, is there a problem with that kind of thinking? Um, no, that, I guess that's normal for every, every, everyone, you know, Christian or non-Christian. Um, but I, I see some, some danger there in the church. Um, whether God created this virus or he didn't, that's not what I'm here for. Uh, we'll leave that to the theologians. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm here to say, I think he used, wanted to use this to get our attention, mm-hmm. get the church's attention. Uh, I see, Dave, uh, in just just talking to people, talking to ministers, uh, getting online, uh, that the church, for the most part, we want to just get back to church, okay, mm-hmm. as it was before this virus, and uh, I fear that we haven't learned the lessons of uh, what this was all about, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me personally, it was a—God uh, really shook me up because—and uh, he let me know that I have a part to play in this repentance nationally as a, as a country. There are some things in our country that God is not pleased with, okay, and me as a believer— uh, I used to think, well, I'm not a part of that, okay, but I'm a citizen of the United States, okay? And as a citizen, I have a part into asking God to forgive us as a nation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, and I have a part in to play in Lord God. Uh, I haven't been doing my part as a believer, okay? You're not pleased with that, and please forgive me. I repent for not taking um, the Christian life as serious as I ought to. Okay. So it's really like two steps. First, this this humility before God, this repentance begins in our own hearts. A- absolutely. Where have we left our first love? Yeah. Uh, it, it did for me, Dave. Mm-hmm. It, it, that, that's how it happened for me, okay? Mm-hmm. I realized, oh, Lord, you you really are dealing with me, about mm-hmm. me, okay? Uh, let's not look at others. Let's not point fingers. Okay, God, what's my part in this? It's repentance, okay? And I had to go to him 
about that, okay? And then I, then the Holy Spirit really just let me know that, hey, you have a part in the national repentance also mm. as a nation, okay? And even though I said, I, I, I thought about that a little bit because I said, well, I, I, you know, I'm not out there doing those things. No, but I'm a citizen of this country. And as a citizen, it's my responsibility to go before the Lord and repent. Right. And I think a standout biblical example of this is Daniel. Yes. In the book of Daniel, yes. chapter 9, Daniel gets before the Lord, and he is so broken about the sin of his nation. Mm -hmm. And now they're already in exile at this point, but he's still broken about it. He still wants to see God's purposes come forth. And Daniel, one of the most godly people in the Bible, he's on his face before God, repenting after sin, after sin, after sin. And then God comes and answers his prayer at the end of that chapter. Not in the way we would expect, but God does come and answer him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, and I don't see that, or I haven't seen that uh, as a general rule in, in, in speaking with other believers and even hearing other ministers on TV. It's, it's all, of, as a pastor, mm -hmm. our job is to quell the fears of our, of our flock, okay? And so the the devil or the enemy did a great job of instilling fear into the flock okay and so we we're concerned about quelling those fears and not concerned about well what is god really saying to his people and i think that's why we need people like you with a prophetic edge that really see black and white Whereas a pastor, I see gray, okay, mm -hmm. and we need to see black and white in this in these times. Right. So, maybe somebody like me, I can I can come in and be pretty disruptive in terms of calling people to a lot of repentance, and then you can come in and pastor them <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. in the aftermath. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do need each other. Um, Absolutely. And I think we see that in Ephesians uh, four. Yes. With that, you know, commonly has been called the fivefold ministry. Mm -hmm. But we need both prophets, and I want to include in the light of this COVID-19 thing, we need evangelists, too. Absolutely, yes. Oh, and we definitely. Do need, we do need prophets and pastors and evangelists and, and yeah. so forth. So. Uh, one of the first uh, Sundays that we were uh, quarantined, locked down, uh, I heard many reports of people getting saved as they watched uh uh, on the television, uh, on the television, or on their computers, you right. know. You mean like when church services when were being streamed? Yes, stream, stream yes. streaming. Uh, so many, so many uh, uh, results uh, were positive. Okay, that, that's a great thing. Um, uh, and, and I was actually, I was a little shocked to hear that, mm -hmm. but I shouldn't have been, but I was. And maybe yeah. one of our takeaways from this whole thing needs to be that we learn how to use streaming better, technology better. There's different ways yes. to go after this, and we need to remember that as we move out of the uh, worst days, I hope, at least, of this COVID-19 yeah. pandemic. Okay? And I just want to touch again on the whole area of this Ephesians 4, 5-fold ministry. Like, certainly, like a person, a pastor with a teaching gift can explain the gospel. But however God does this, we've been gifted differently. I think in the next time that there's a shaking that comes to our nation, like COVID-19 or, or some other pestilence or some other natural disaster or whatever, I think we need to get those evangelists, those that actually carry that anointing. Um, you know, and it's interesting when I think about the giftings that God gives us, sometimes teachers can explain the gospel better than evangelists, yes, yes. be more articulate, give more uh, of the, the theology and the history and, and so forth. But we need to get the evangelists on the platform. Like it's a time for people, and I'm almost a little bit hesitant to say this because, Eddie, I know you, you've been a pastor your whole life, but 
to step off the platform and make sure you got an evangelist coming on who can really call people with that evangelist anointing to come to faith. And you know, Greg Laurie Laurie. in California, he saw a huge spike in, in people coming to faith through his streaming of his messages during this very thing. Now, part of it was the streaming and people having access. Again, we, we want to learn from all that. But we also want to learn that Greg Laurie, he is first and foremost an evangelist. Yes, yes. And there's a special anointing when we get those people on the platform, all the more important during a shaking when people are, are questioning their mortality and those kinds of, uh, of thoughts are running through their head. This has been a great time for the... Uh, for the prophet to, to say what God was saying, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, um, unfortunately, I think uh, in the church in general, uh, some of those sunny day prophets didn't say much going through this crisis. What do you mean by sunny day prophets? Well, it's, it's easier for a prophet to speak when everything is going okay, all right? There's no crisis. Uh, and, and when things are tough, Okay, whether there's an epidemic of sickness or whatever it might be, uh, some of our Sunday day prophets don't really hear from the Lord as as, as clearly as when uh, things are going good. And so, um, uh, I, I kind of noticed that there was a drop off of a lot of prophets. You know, this is super important because. Um, well, let me back up just for a moment. I mean, I'm a John 17 guy. I love building bridges in the body of Christ. I, I don't like to like somehow um, call somebody out and what they're saying is wrong and these mm-hmm. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather work together as the body of Christ. However, in Jeremiah chapters 14 and 15, God and Jeremiah are having this intense back and forth. We'll call it a prayer time. It's like a discussion. Let's just say it's a prayer time like we typically don't experience. But this is an amazing thing. We often overlook it. It's two chapters and God and Jeremiah are are in disagreement at times and they're crying. Uh, Jeremiah's crying out to God. I mean, this is intense. But where the plane lands in one part of this is exactly what you just said. Jeremiah just looks at God. He turns his eyes upwards and he just says, but God, people are declaring that the sword, or in other words, war, will not come to the nation. These other prophets are declaring peace. And God says to Jeremiah, I did not send those prophets. They do not have my message. And he tells Jeremiah to go tell the people that the sword, famine, and pestilence, we're talking about COVID-19, what we can learn right here, right now. God tells Jeremiah, even pestilence is what's coming and to be faithful to his message. Um, Dave, that uh, in King James Version, um, Jeremiah refers to these prophecies, pillow prophets, okay? Uh, men of God who, instead of saying, hey, listen to Jeremiah, he has the word of the Lord, they're saying, oh, no, God, God's got this under control. Don't worry about it. And they put the people to sleep again. Hmm. Okay. So you're using men of God very loosely. Like, I wouldn't call that a man of God. <laughs> right, right. So, Dave, what have you observed? Well, I think it's vital in our nation that one thing we learn from this pandemic is that we know that we've got to find our voice as church leadership quickly in the next shaking that mm. comes to our nation, mm. whether that shaking is another pandemic, what the Bible describes as a pestilence or a plague, or it's something completely different, but we've got to quickly find our voice. I feel like even today, after being at COVID-19 in a big way for two months in this nation, I feel like vast portions of the church are still trying to find their voice. Mm. 
And this is what I mean by that. So early on in, uh, in March, when this was just starting to go around the globe and it's starting to really begin the talk of, of shutdowns and, and stay-at-home orders and stuff like that, and then later that month is when, is when it really uh, took hold in this country and elsewhere. But the country of Uganda, in Africa, mm. we can learn from them, and I believe it's a vital lesson that we learn. In Uganda, they have had revival um, coming in like in different waves, but increasing, get this, since the end of the 1970s, early 1980s, when Idi Amin was removed in answer wow. to prayer. It was the big first step when God, in answer to prayer, the dictator Idi Amin was moved out. But it's continued to this very day, this, mm. this revival, more intense at other times, waves coming in and out and so forth. But, but this is how they responded to COVID-19. They called immediately their entire nation to prayer. Now, now get this. We're putting this up on the screen right now. This is a screenshot I took because, like I said, it so grabbed me. They weren't getting lost in theology and is this the Old Testament God? No, they immediately put up Second Chronicles 6 and then that wow. would lead to chapter 7, which I've highlighted a number of times on these videos. But in 2 Chronicles 6 is where Solomon is crying out to God that, that they've, they've finished building the temple and they're saying, God, turn your face to this place, answer our prayer when there is. And one of the many things listed, enemies attacking and so forth, but one of the many things listed is pestilence or in other words, a pandemic. Mm. Uganda puts that right on the poster advertising this day of prayer and repentance. Oh, wow. It's 2 Chronicles 6, starting verse 27, leading to verse 28. And then that connects next directly to chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It didn't take the church in Uganda any time to find their voice. Immediately, oh. the Bible speaks about pestilence, not just here, but in many places, right through the book of Revelation. And we're so forgetting this in America. And often it is, God, what you said from the very outset of this video, Eddie, God is shaking. He's trying to wake the people up. There's a corrective element of this. Mm. We might even say redemptive. God's just sure. calling people back sure. yes. to himself. Yeah. It's not final judgment. It's not what the Bible describes as God's wrath. And I think in our church, we're so hesitant on this because we think immediately we're talking about God's wrath. Right, right. We're not talking about no. God's wrath. That's when no. it's all over. <laughs> we're talking yeah. about yeah. corrective or remedial shakings, judgments, where God's calling us to wake up. I'm not sure. In fact, I would say I'm pretty confident that the church in America, we've not done that. Even as good as just a few minutes ago, we're talking about evangelism, people coming to faith. That still is different than Second Chronicles 6 and then chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, where you recognize what's happening and you, you call the people immediately to four things. Humility before God. And boy, does America have a pride mm -hmm. problem. I would say within the church Amen. and outside the church. Amen. A pride problem. So we call the nation to humility. We call people to prayer and intercession over what's going on. We call people to seek God's face. Not so what we can get, meaning um, just things like the pandemic will go away and we can all go back to work and make money and all this stuff. But we seek God for who he is. We seek his face and then we turn from our wicked ways. And, and what you said a few minutes ago, God was dealing with your heart, Eddie. We all have areas we need to repent of. Uh, Dave, that reminds me of... Uh, 9-11, uh, for a few weeks, there was a period of time when the whole nation, we were back in church, but quickly we went back to things as usual. We didn't learn the lessons 
of 9-11 as far as the church about staying in humble before the Lord, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that leads to repentance, okay? We didn't learn that. I don't think we learned that lesson, okay? Because we quickly went back to things as usual. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this time we'll learn that God is calling us to repent and have an attitude of humility, walk in humility, okay? Mm-hmm. Walk in humility, and if I can just go back to what I was saying a few minutes ago, if you're a church leader and you have the pastor-teacher gifting, this might be a, a, just for a, a, a brief season. You might need to step aside. We've got to get the evangelist on the platform, the person that actually carries that anointing. Sometimes local pastors said things even better than Billy Graham did when sure. Billy Graham was out preaching. But who had that anointing? We've got to get the evangelist on. I will say also, we've got to get true prophets Amen. back on the platform to clear the fog. I feel like in this nation, there's so much fog about what's going on with COVID-19. That's why two weeks ago, we sent out an insights video called COVID-19, clearing the fog. Yeah. We still haven't cleared the fog. We've got to learn that now, not only to become early adopters like the church in Uganda and the church is leading as much as the government, but we are also getting key people with different voices, different perspectives that can bring God's truth to the people. Dave, why are we as a church reluctant to bring forth what God has commanded us to do as, as far as taking the lead in, uh, in voicing what God would want to share. You know, there's probably a lot of answers to this, but I firmly believe the church does need to lead the body of Christ in brokenness over our own sin, humility, repentance. So again, there's probably a lot of answers to this, but let me just nail one of the big ones. I believe that for a lot of us, we believe in an Old Testament God and a New Testament Mm. God. That's a heresy from centuries ago that I thought the church had dealt with. But as I'm watching us play this out during the present COVID-19 pandemic, it's like, why aren't we boldly, as the Ugandan church did, talking about 2 Chronicles 7.13, which diagnoses the problem, actually the exact illness, the sickness, the disease, COVID-19, and it gives us a four-part Remedy, solution, Mm. diagnosis, prescription, okay? So let me just kind of bridge the gap here. Like, I don't think we have an Old Testament God and the New Testament God is totally different. Okay, so we do see God calling people to repentance in the Old Testament, but we also see it in the New Testament. Mm. We need to look no further than the seven churches in in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Five of the seven, God is calling out specific sins. Actually, it's Jesus himself who's manifested before John explaining Mm. specific sins that are different to each church. It starts off with losing our first love, or I should say leaving our first love. God didn't leave us. We left him. Jesus, in the New Testament, post-cross, post-resurrection, post-outpouring of the Spirit, the last book of the New (laughs) Testament, Jesus is saying, you've got to change your ways. You've got to come back to me wholeheartedly. Those seven churches, the five that were called to repent, the last one, the church of Laodicea, that you're lukewarm. Have you ever been around a church in America Mm. where you would say, yeah, this feels lukewarm? God's calling us to be hot or cold so that he can use us, but we're just sitting in the middle. Does this sound like anything like the American church Mm. or what you said about entertainment and so forth? Further, 
First Peter chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says that judgment begins within the house of God. Mm. So we have voices out there right now. I've seen them on the internet, YouTube. They're saying, God doesn't judge anybody today. Peter didn't believe that. First Peter 4 says that the judgment begins with us. And he was talking about in his day throughout the centuries right up to this moment. Mm. God always is doing a cleansing work. Again, not wrath, but judgment in terms of a corrective type of, of shaking or exposure of, of sin. And that passage continues in verse 18, and it says that if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, yeah. what about the ungodly? And the whole point is the judgment's going from the church now where it, quote, started, now it's moving out into culture more broadly. We have got to wake up up both people within our church but I hope it can go out over to lost people but we've got to wake people up that it's not an Old Testament God a New Testament God this is the same God he the same thing that he calls to in 2nd Chronicles 7 13 and 14 he called the churches to in a little bit different language a little different sin issues but he called them to that in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 1st Peter chapter 4 he's a holy God and we need to embrace that and then the church in America lead out of that posture mm. you know Dave uh, uh, Early on in my ministry, I realized that I didn't have it all. Okay, I realized if if they if my church only heard the shepherd speaking, they would be lopsided. They would be more pastoral, and they wouldn't be evangelistic. They wouldn't be prophetic. They wouldn't be uh, scholarly as a, a teacher. Okay, dig into the word, uh, and they wouldn't be apostolic. And so, uh, I tried as much as I could to bring other voices to speak to my congregation because I knew I couldn't do it all. Okay, I needed that, that five-fold ministry of pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, and apostle. Awesome. Otherwise, my church would be lopsided. Okay, Let me just put a footnote on the word apostle because I know that can be a tricky sure. point for so many. Uh, apostle just simply means sent one. But apostle, with that person with that gifting, it's often that person that breaks new ground mm -hmm. and can help even take things like a dramatic step forward. Amen. If it already exists, it can be a dramatic step forward. But if nothing exists, like at a missionary going into a tribe, it, it's that person that carries God's power, carries God's message, and it's really more of a breakthrough kind of ministry. So rather than us just looking at it, oh, we had the Apostle Paul and just leaving it there, as if we can't move in these things today. Let's remember if we define apostle correctly, apostles uh, can be huge um, catalysts within the body of Christ. And I think we need to learn that as well. But, Amen. but more to the point, I think there was a harvest for the evangelists. I think there was fog to be cleared by the prophets. Amen. Uh, it's, it's crucial. It's crucial because... That's why Jesus came. He came for souls. He came for souls, okay? Mm -hmm. And we kind of got to twist a little bit about mm -hmm. um, entertaining ourselves, okay? Mm -hmm. Our worship is great. God loves worship. He loves it when we worship him, but it's about souls, ultimately. Okay, when you use the word entertainment, that hit a hot button with me. Okay. I just got to say, how come... You know, I travel quite a bit, and I often listen to other preachers and like anybody else, but why does it seem like the tone in America, the church leadership, why does it seem like so many times after every paragraph, as I hear somebody preach, 
It's got to carry a pick-me-up tone, a positive tone. It's energetic. And it's like, no, sometimes I think we need to get low before the Lord and, and really sit with some stuff here. Like we talked about Daniel 9 earlier, where we're really getting broken before the Lord over things. And that, as it says in Revelation 2, that we've left our first love. And sometimes that doesn't always have an energetic tone to it or a feel-good moment. Well, thank you, Eddie Reese. It has been great to have you with us here, and I hope you can join us in the future for uh, Insights. Dave, I'd love to. It's been awesome. My pleasure. And I look forward to being with you next time on Insights. Insights.